This is Miller's Edge on Tide Nine. This is the Miller's Edge with Christian Miller, two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is the Miller's Edge. Where do you stand with Alabama right now? I just did uh, this morning, actually. I got up early and I, because uh, I'm going to do something on Big Noon, and I've done it the last few weeks. You can't, you know, the minute you bet against that staff and that roster, you're wrong. Uh, they were they were a mess early in the year. They, they benched their quarterback. They rotated two guys <clears throat> against South Florida. I've never seen an Alabama team look like that. And then you watch them play now, and, you know, it's just don't bet against them. Yeah, and right now the Reggie Bush, Percy Harvin of college football is playing tail, uh, playing quarterback in Alabama. Yeah, and they're running him. He had a hundred, I want to say, a hundred and thirty yards rushing, twenty some carries, twenty five carries, and there's a couple clips on that videotape that he is. Uh, he, he's he's other than Marvin Harrison, he's the best athlete in college football. And he's touching the ball every snap for Alabama. That's Urban Meyer talking about Jalen Miro playing the quarterback position. A lot of high praise for the quarterback that has turned things around in T-Town and Tuscaloosa. We'll definitely delve into that on the program today. Hope you're doing well on a lovely Thursday morning in Tuscaloosa. Now we are shifted in the afternoon here in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, alongside two-time national champion Christian Miller of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We got you covered for the next hour on the Tide, 100.9, 12.30 a.m. WTBC. We got you covered the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. So a lot to get into on the program today because we'll talk about that. We'll look at the matchup of Kentucky and Alabama. And also, as he does every single week, in his own words, Stephen M. Smith will join us at 11.20. Uh, we'll get his thoughts and let him break down the win of LSU and look ahead to the game against Kentucky. We'll take your phone calls, 205-342-9904. That is the number for you to, to call the program or download that app, Tide 100.9. Again, we had several questions on that app yesterday. I want to continue to push that because we love that that part of the show because you can't call you at work. Your boss is looking over your shoulder, you know, but you can go online on your cell phone, your, your computer, your iPad or Droid system and send us a question. You can do it voice or you can do it uh, in written words. So we'll take those any way you have it. Guys, Urban Meyer speaking high praise for Jalen Milrow says maybe Margaret Harrison Jr., the only athlete maybe better than him. Uh, but that can be debated as well. Christian down in Tuscaloosa, what's up? Man, those are some 
some big praises from Urban Meyer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, no, I thought that was awesome to hear that, you know, obviously. You know, some people feel their, their way about Urban Meyer, but, you know, he's a very credible coach, you know, had a lot of success, and he he feels strongly about Jalen Milrow. Um, yeah. And, and I thought that was great. I mean, you look at, you know, Jalen's numbers uh, through this point of the season, 114 of 176 passing, uh, 62 point, or excuse me, 64.8% for 1,800 yards, just over that, uh, averaging 10.4 and 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, and I don't even think that's counting all the rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, Jalen is playing phenomenal. I mean, but here's the thing, though. If Urban Meyer uh, is tr- speaking so highly of him and basically saying he's the, the best athlete in college football, maybe he should be in the, the Heisman conversation, right? I mean, he put him up there. He said almost above Marvin Harrison Jr., who you know, everybody's high on and talks about as, you know, generational wide receiver talent. But, um, yeah, no, I just thought that was interesting. So at, at least somebody uh, out there is trying to give Jalen Milrow some credit. So and that's coming from Urban Meyer, who's definitely – uh, a long, you know, storied head coach in college football, not so much <laughs> in the NFL. Didn't necessarily go too great <laughs> in Jacksonville. Um, but that happens. That happens with some of these. It never worked well for him. I mean, I know he had the whole at, at his bar incident. But, I mean, when you talk about college and kicking coaches. coach. <laughs> I mean, not the coach. Kicking the kicker, right? He, he kicked the kicker at practice or something like that. Did you hear about that? He kicked the kicker at practice. Yeah, they're like stretching pre-practice. I think, and suppose he just walked over and, and kicked his kicker. Something weird. Yeah, he had some weird stuff going on, man. He lost. Yeah, he's a different kind of dude. I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't like him. Um, a lot of people don't have a lot of great things to say about him. But you can't deny that he was a great college football coach. He won national championships. I've done a lot of great things at Ohio State and then at Florida. So you can't uh, you can't deny what he did on the collegiate level, but definitely not on the NFL level. But, uh, you know, Jalen Miro, I'm not going to go that far about the Heisman. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very careful about, you know, that type of stuff. I want to give Jalen Miro a ton of praise because it is well-deserved how he has played, how he has handled this whole situation. I'll take a page out of, uh, you know, Jalen's book, right? You know, Jalen Hurts' book of how being benched and keeping a great attitude, remaining a great teammate, uh, which he did at South Florida. Uh, I think he talked about he talks to, to Jalen uh, a lot, maybe once a week. He talks, I'm sure, to Bryce Young, two great young men, two great leaders that he had a chance to learn from and then, you know, be mentored by. Uh, so he has some great examples uh, for Jalen Milrow. And then what he does on the field, I mean, listen, and now that we see Tommy Reese Christian breaking that mold, right, we can sit there and go, well, maybe it's, you know, uh, Tommy Reese, he's getting more comfortable. Maybe it's, you know, that whatever the reason, Tommy Reese is now calling great plays. Now, I don't see anything that's, it takes a rocket scientist the way he called the game that Jalen Miro couldn't handle early on in the season, right? It's just basically RPOs on read type of stuff. There's nothing very, uh, uh, I guess, hard or, or very um, uh, difficult to do with the play calling that we've seen last week. Just little wrinkles here and there. So people was, I heard somebody on this station yesterday uh, when they were talking about the evolving, of uh, the evolving play of Jalen Miro and how that, you know, now Tommy Reese feels more comfortable giving him, you know, these types of plays. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what's hard about it? What's hard about what he's doing? I mean, that's nothing. I mean, just to, to say, hey, we're going to be more aggressive in the quarterback run game, quarterback counters, you know, that's nothing hard. 
a pop pass. It does nothing hard. You know, sprint rollouts, getting him out on the perimeter of a defense so that now you move the passing window because the offensive line is struggling. That's nothing hard. And telling him to be more decisive and running the football and use his athleticism and his speed, that's nothing hard. They could have been doing this. I think this was a situation of Tommy Reese, as I talked about a lot of the times, a coach can be stubborn and want to run his system. A coach can be stubborn and want to do his own thing and asking the player to adapt to, to set offense. That was the case. This was not the case of Tommy Reese getting more comfortable because they're not like doing some extravagant offense here, right? These are just plays that's allowing him to be free. That's all I'm saying. So, and kudos to Tommy Reese. It took a little while, but at least he has gotten to that point. Now, everybody's talking about this guy running the football. Urban Meyer talking about, you know, his ability, his speed. I forgot the players that he, he called them at playing quarterback. But listen, this dude has a burst. I mean, that burst when he got outside the pocket on the left side and faked the pass outside. And I mean, just to show how explosive this dude is, is amazing, Christian. So, they have a, we've been talking about this. We've seen it in, in the summer. We've seen it in scrimmage. We've, we've seen this stuff, right? And we've been saying to people, relax, calm down. He's going to be all right. And it just took Tommy Reese, in my opinion, getting to a place to say, you know what? Scrap what I want to do. Uh, throw away what I want him to do. And this basic boring offense and, and thinking that I got an offensive line that's trucking people and I'm just going to run running plays right up the middle. I'm not doing anything. I'm not showing hyper creativity because let's just be real. This is what it was the first 40% of the season. They weren't doing anything. They were pretty basic. But now this this play calling the second half of Tennessee to this game last week against LSU gives me great hope and joy that this now offense can be so explosive and can score 40 to 50 points, Chris. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with you. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't necessarily, you know, put a finger on it. What exactly has changed? I agree. You know, it definitely has changed to an extent to where I do feel that we are doing some things differently uh, with the offense. Um, however, I don't know what, like, basically, I'm echoing what you said. I don't necessarily know what it is that we couldn't do this. Why, why it is we couldn't do this early on. Um, but, to me, I mean, it is what it is. We're doing it now. That's really what matters, you know, and we just got to keep with it. Um, but, I mean, I do think when I do watch Jalen Miller right now, I, I do believe he looks more confident. I believe he looks more poised. I feel like he looks like he's, you know, a lot more comfortable doing what he needs to do um, at that position. I think he just has a better feel for it, and, and, and that's obvious, right, because that's what happens the more you play, the more experience you get, and that's why we, all, we always just, you know, basically just said, you know, you got to have patience, right? Just have patience with these guys. You know, they're still developing and just, you know, let it play out. Let it let it do what it does pretty much. And that's what we've been able to see um, from this offense. So I think they're on the right track. I think they just need to keep it up. But I think a lot of it, honestly, you, you got to contribute it to this offensive line and their play. I know the play calling has, you know, there's been some things implemented that's great. But honestly, I think a lot of the success that we're seeing really starts up front. When you look at this offensive line, uh, the way they've played in recent weeks is, you know, I mean, night and day compared to how it was early on in the season, right? There's a lot more continuity up front. I don't know if that's because he started adding in chippers. I'm watching some of the highlights right now. 
We're seeing some extra six-man protection in there, guys. Um, you know, look like, you know, they have better technique, right? Then in the running game, when you actually get movement and can run the ball effectively, uh, that helps tremendously. That you, and you and I both know that opens everything else up, right? Then I even look at the next progression, like, right? Short yardage, right? We, we learned a lesson from Ole Miss. We're not in the gun anymore. Now we're getting into the, the, the tush push formation. We saw the, the little, uh, addendum off of it where you kind of do like the, the, you know, not reverse, but you know what I mean, like the outside handoff out uh, out of that mm-hmm. formation. That was uh, good. Yeah, which Philly ran. I don't know if you guys know, Philly ran that like the week or two earlier uh, prior. So I don't. It's not he made that up. Philly, they were pretty much copying Philly. All right, Jalen probably told them that's what they need to do. <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, I literally watched Philadelphia run that that kind of they, they fake the touch push and go to like the you know end around or the sweep, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I mean, those little things make a difference. And then you look at the third down rate. I feel like our third down rate offensively has been really good. And, you know, part of that is because when you run the ball effectively, you're in more, you know, third and short situations. But also, it's, it's contributed to Jalen Milrow's decision making and being able to see, see those open windows, those open lanes and saying, Hey, I'm comfortable with t- making the decision to take off and use my athleticism to make plays, right? So I think there's a lot of things that go into it, but I definitely agree with you. Part of it, um, it, you know, part of the, that is, you know, factored in with, you know, now they are running some things that they didn't necessarily run early on in the season. So I wish I had an answer for why it's starting to change, but maybe, I don't know. You know how it is. You just, you know, people get more chemistry as the season goes on. And maybe, you know, him and Milro have slowly kind of started working together better. He now knows kind of, you know, what Milro does best. I mean, you got to think he just got here. And when did they hire Tommy Reese? Was like January, right? Um, and then you had the quarterback mm-hmm. battle going on through the spring. And, you know, he did, they didn't really even know he was their official guy, I guess, technically until really the first game, right? Or, or really, you know, a couple of days before that. And so, yeah, I think we're just seeing that natural progression of both of them <laughs> working, uh, good together. But uh, with that being said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the progression. I'm, I'm pleased with it. And as long as they continue on this trajectory, um, they, they should be in good shape heading into hopefully Atlanta, which again, they have to take care of business. Uh, this weekend against Kentucky. If they do that, they've secured the West, and they definitely will be playing uh, in Atlanta for the SEC Championship. So i uh, got to focus on this one right here because uh, that, that seals the deal, right? You win this game, you're automatically the SEC West champion, and you play in Atlanta. However, you still want to make sure you, you take care of business because the playoff committee is watching, right? We saw the, the playoff rankings. Not that they should be focused on this, but it is a fact, right? They're looking at these things. In my opinion, you know, we, we talked about yesterday how it can be chaotic. There's a lot of different teams. That, that could be in that conversation. You know, they, they're going to have that opportunity to plead their case. But what helps you out is having convincing wins, right? So you go on the road and face a Kentucky team. I know, I know they're not ranked anymore. At least I don't think they are. Six and three Kentucky team. You still want to go out there and beat those guys convincingly, right? You want to, you want to take care of business that way. When the committee talks about you and they're looking at these wins, they want to be able to say, yeah, this is a really good football team when they, they base it off the eye test, which they claim they do partially. So we'll see about that. But with all that being said, Go to Kentucky this weekend. Continue that momentum. Take care of business. Play to the standard that you guys have been playing to the past few weeks, and everything should take care of itself. No doubt about it. I mean, this game they should win. I mean, listen, I mean, Kentucky's a solid team. They're going to play hard. I mean, Alabama rolls into your city. You know, it's it's kind of like game day. You know, it comes with a lot of pageantry, a lot of theatrics. People want to beat you. Nick Saban's a rock star. Um, you know how that works. I mean, so it's a big game from that standpoint. But when you look at, you know, talent level, I mean, Alabama should win this game by three touchdowns, right? You know, you expect a hard-fought game in the first quarter. You know, the crowd's going to be loud. 
uh, anytime you go on the road in the SEC, it's tough. But you just got to go play sound football. You know, do what you're supposed to do. Get the running game going. Get Miro going. I think the defense going to be just fine. I know Kentucky has explosive, explosive players at the running back position, at the wide receiver position via through transfer portal. But this is a game, the only way Alabama loses if they go out there uh, not motivated, not focused, turning the ball over, doing stupid stuff, you know, giving up a punt return, kickoff return for a touchdown. They're going to have to play awful to, to, to lose this game. We know that. But hopefully, again, as you mentioned, it's important to stay focused. It's important to stay, uh, you know, on your uh, on your drive to college football playoffs because it is important. They are watching. They are seeing what you're doing. You can't go down there and get a, a, a close win because they're going to penalize you. They, they, they don't even give you kudos for winning a great game against LSU, a commanding win. You don't move. So if you go down there and struggle against Kentucky, they're going to be, well, well maybe Bama's not as good as we thought, you know, so all the talking heads going to get going. So you got to continue to stay on your goal is to, to get to Atlanta first and foremost. You got Georgia that's probably going to be sitting there. Maybe Tennessee if they can upset them in Knoxville and Tennessee wins against Missouri if Georgia wins against Ole Miss. So a lot of stuff in the next couple of weeks still going to be crucial. But again, take care of what's in front of you. And right now that's the Kentucky Wildcats. All right, Noah, let's hit a break. Give me a little music, break music. And uh, when we come back, you know the drill. It's thirsty. It's thirsty. Thursday. And you know, we're thirsty for a Christian. We're thirsty. Whoa. Well, Steven. Whoa, M. whoa. Smith. We, oh, we always, we're thirsty for <laughs> Steven. Whoa, whoa. Now, let's see. I'm, I know what you, where hey, you're going because hey, the young hey. people call thirsty for something else. <laughs> Hey, I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll, hey, hold on, man. No, you know what I'm thirsty for is, is is a good chiropractic session with my friends over at Spine and Sport kind of chiropractic. Because I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've been stressed a little bit lately, so I, I hold all that tension in my shoulders. Where right? I get stiff, I need to get aligned. So that's what I'm thirsty for is getting a nice uh, back cracking. So I'm gonna head on over to Spine and Sport chiropractic, which I are you going right now? As well, I can't go right now. I got the show oh. to do, brother. We got to get. Oh, well, you tell me, I'm headed over there. No, no, I said I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But <laughs> make sure you guys check them out. Again, they provide quality chiropractic services for chronic conditions, injuries, sports-related trauma, and more right here in the heart of West Alabama. So come and discover how this form of medicine can improve your overall health by addressing the original cause of your ailments instead of masking your pain. Again, if you're in need of this type of relief, contact Dr. Brian McDonald and his team at 205-345-8102. Well, we're thirsty for Thirsty Thursday. My man and 50 grand, Stephen M. Smith of TD. Alabama Magazine, in his own words, will join us on the other side of the break. We'll get his thoughts on Alabama. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, opening up of the playbook from Tommy Reese. All that and more coming up on the Miller's Edge of the Tide, 100.9, a.m. WTBC. It's the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Keep it locked right here. Back in a moment. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigar. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, the high in the upper 70s, around 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered showers, the low at 58. A cooler day tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times. The high tomorrow afternoon is 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 74 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
And welcome back to the Miller's Edge on the Tide 100.9-1230. WTBC, Corey Miller, Pastor Payne, alongside Christian Miller, two-time national champion and captain for the Tide. Noah behind the glass, kicking me some nice bass beats uh, today. Noah, man, I appreciate that, bro. You got me jamming right here on my back porch. I think my neighbors don't know what's happening like I'm having a, a midday party. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, that's a little, little cash in, cash out by Pharrell, Tyler, the creator, right there. Wait a minute, who, who was that? Oh, he's not going to know Noah. It's, it, 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 cash in, cash out. That's the name of the song. Yeah. Now, who sings it? It's Twenty One Savage, Tyler, the creator, and Pharrell Williams. Have you heard of it? You've had, I you heard, heard of it. Yeah, I heard of Pharrell Williams. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, he's heard of yeah, Pharrell. That's, that, that's we'll tight, right there, Noah. That's tight. You taught me something today, man. Thank you so much. You got it. But right now, speaking of tight, speaking of, you know, whatever you just said, the name of this song was, which I never heard of it, but uh, <laughs> it sounded good. Uh, it's time to go to my man and 50 grand senior reporter for Alabama football via at TD Alabama magazine. He's an alum of Alabama. He's Fred Blipticoff voter. That means, man, he, he is the man. He is, he got it going on like Donkey Kong in his own words. I mean, this man got so much flash and cachet, I'm telling you, I just, I'm just humbled and blessed to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Stephen M, with M's from Miller, Smith, 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 Smith. What's up, Stephen? <laughs> doing good, guys. Doing good. I'm going to say this. Noah, fantastic job on your part. That's fantastic right. job on your part because, uh, I mean, when the beat came in, Noah had me bobbing my head in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the, the question, though, Stephen, is did you know who sang this song and the name of the song? I knew it was Cash In, Cash Out. I knew 21 Savage. I knew Pharrell was on the hook, but I didn't know Tyler, the creator, was on it, too. Wow. That's pretty good, man. You're way... We're ahead of me. I mean, so I don't know. A lot of this new rap stuff, I'm, you know, Christian trying to act like I'm like crazy if I don't know somebody. Like, oh, wait, no, no, no. The people, you, the people you don't know and the movies you don't know, I mean, I don't, they, I don't think they can get any more mainstream, man. I'm not, trust me, I'm not picking on you. I promise you, the people that I've, that I've mentioned that you say, I don't know, never heard of them. I mean, literally, the most mainstream <laughs> people. So. Hey, listen. Hey, I am. I'm old school. That's why I said what I said about Dallas Turner, the tackling. I had a strong opinion on that. Um, but, you know, that's just who I am. Let's get to it, though, man. Let's get to the game. Uh, Alabama, huge win, Stephen, over LSU. Very convincing win. Another outstanding second half. But I think the thing that stands out for me and for a lot of people, even nationally, as you know, Urban Meyer, I saw you put this on your Twitter as well. He was very impressed with Jalen Milrow. Talk about why do you feel like, one, it took so long for Tommy Reese to get to this point? Cause I know we've been screaming it from the top of our lungs since day one. This is the type of offense he needs to be involved in. And number two, will this stuff continue? I think number two, Corey and Christian, it will continue. But starting off with number one, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is, okay, Tommy Reese is 30 years old. So he played quarterback at Notre Dame from 2010 to 2013. Uh, uh, and then he comes back as a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. Three of those years as the OC at Notre Dame, 2020 to 2022. We really don't know how many of those years he was actually calling the plays. We don't know. 
And so when, when you make a transition from Brian Kelly to Nick Saban, you're learning just like these young kids are. You have to learn Nick Saban, what he likes, what he doesn't like, because he's arguably not only the greatest to ever do it, but he's also arguably one of the most demanding to ever do it. So you're trying to get it right and execute perfection with him. So as these players are learning, so is Tommy Reese. And I felt like, you know, Reese was probably ready to unleash a lot of this stuff, but he's probably wondering in his own mind how prepared is Jalen Milrow? How prepared is his offensive line to help block for this stuff? How prepared are the wide receivers? So as much as we like to look at Tommy Reese and go, man, you the OC, unleash the bag. Sometimes in Tommy Reese's mind, he's going, well, are the players ready for me to unleash the bag? And is Coach Saban ready for me to unleash the bag? Because I'm trying to learn him too. That's true. And that's exactly what I was saying earlier, Stephen. But let me ask you about, while we talk about Alabama LSU, a lot of talk was about the hit by Dallas Turner, right? My dad mentioned it earlier. What was just your take on it um, in terms of, did you feel like it was legal, illegal? How how did you perceive that hit by Dallas Turner on Jaden Daniels that ended up knocking him out of the game? Well, Christian, I thought, first of all, it was a clean play. It was not a dirty hit. It was not a dirty play. I saw many of national people saying, oh, my gosh, dirty hit. Where's the targeting? You know, put Dallas Turner out of the football game. It was a clean hit, people. Football players are not gymnasts. Gymnasts are taught to contort their body, spin, have all these types of physics where their body is concerned. Football players are not gymnasts. You can't expect a speeding bullet to slow down. You cannot ask for Dallas Turner to stop on a dime and try to figure out, okay, where am I, what am I hitting at this point in time? Because if you're expecting Dallas Turner to slow down, this could lead to him popping an ACL or popping an Achilles or anything of that nature in terms of the injury front. So he did not launch. He did not lead with the crown of his helmet, making helmet-to-helmet contact. If you're watching the play, he puts his helmet in the chest pad of Jane Daniels. Now, of course, Coach Saban mentioned you need to watch what you hit. And no coach is going to say that, but I thought it was a clean hit. It was a football play. And for goodness sake, last year against Tennessee, Bryce Young got hit worse than that, and there was not even a 15-yard foul called. Nothing was called. So at the very least, there was a foul called there on Dallas Turner, and that was more of a clean play than what the Tennessee guy just did to Bryce Young just a season ago. Absolutely. I, somebody had posted that here, and I forgot about it, man. That, if anything, that should have been targeting and uh, you know, roughing the passer and kick his tail out the game. But yeah, it's Alabama, though. There's a lot of hate as we played uh, Taylor Swift the other day. You know, that song definitely was uh, fit for what we were talking about. Stephen M. Smith, a senior reporter for Alabama football via TD Alabama Magazine, is on the line with us on this day. Let's talk about this defense because the first half I was frustrated. To be honest with you, I was a little peed off. I, I take it personal, especially that side of the ball. I didn't see uh, good rush lanes. I, I saw some tentative, uh, you know, tackling. Uh, just a lot of things that made me upset watching this defense. That being said, what I have become really impressed with is with Kevin Steele slash Traverius Robinson making halftime adjustments and the result of that, I mean, what we got, uh, seven last week, zero in the second half against Tennessee. Then there was a couple of three pieces with Texas A&M and I believe Arkansas. This defense has been phenomenal in the second half. 
do you think it's all because of Kevin Steele, or do you think T-Rob is a combination of different things? Kevin Steele has done a fantastic job, and I think it's the combination, guys, of the entire defensive staff with, with Kevin Steele, with Chavaris Robinson. You even have to give the analysts, guys like Charlie Strong upstairs, a lot of credit as well because uh, there were some personnel changes in the second half that led to Alabama slowing down Jake Daniels, putting some hits on him, and even quieting Malik Neighbors as well. Uh, Alabama moved to having Trey Amos at corner. We saw a lot of Terry on Arnold move to star. We saw Malachi Morgan put back through at free safety. Uh, Jahad Campbell. Came. When Jahad Campbell came in the game, that slowed down a lot of that uh, Jaden Daniels wanting to run there. Because in the first half, it was more so Deontay Moss and Tresman Marshall. And no offense to Tresman Marshall, fantastic young man. But his game is more suited toward you're playing against the Arkansas, the Kentuckys, the power run teams versus MSU, where you got an athletic team led by Jaden Daniels, an athletic quarterback. So in that matchup, you're better suited to have a Jahad Campbell, somebody who has an SEC closing speed from a linebacker perspective out there on the field. So the second half, we saw personnel changes, and that led to the much better showing. Steven, when you look at this upcoming Kentucky game, do you feel that it could potentially be a trap game for Alabama like some folks are out here saying? It could, but I don't think this team will allow it to be. I mean, Devin Leary's a good quarterback, but Kentucky's built on ground and pound football with Ray Davis. And once again, this kind of plays right into what Kevin Steele and Nick Saban want to do. I think this group has so much love in each other and trust in each other and believe in each other that even though this is an 11 a.m. kickoff, you're coming off a very emotional win over NSU. This group will not allow itself to get kind of just bogged down with, you know, uh, wanting this game or having this game be a trap game. Something I saw last week, guys, that really I put a smile on my face. Did you watch how this team came out the locker room yelling, chanting, already knocked into the game. Roydell Williams was leading those chants, Christian, that you remember you and your teammates had in the locker room. And it put a different feeling of this is a team that has no type of anxiety in it whatsoever. They came out that locker room rocking and ready to play. And I feel like they'll have that same type of focus this week against Kentucky, despite it being on the road at 11 a.m. Stephen Smith, in his own words, joining us here on the Miller's Edge. Let's talk college football playoffs. The second reveal uh, came out on Tuesday night. Alabama did not move after a very nice win over a ranked opponent, SEC opponent in LSU. They stayed at number eight. Here is my question. Greg McElroy said this, and, and Kirk Herbstreit has said this. So we've been saying Alabama controls their own destiny, which I still believe that to be true. They're saying if Texas win out, Alabama wins out, Alabama will not leapfrog Texas because of the uh, loss at home second week of the season. I've seen the committee put the head-to-head that matchup and went the opposite way. What say you? I've seen that also. And and the craziest thing, Corey, is I honestly am in the opinion of this will all work itself out. I know a lot of Alabama fans are wondering, well, why is a one-loss Oregon ahead of a one-loss Alabama when Oregon, though, as impressive as they look, have they really played anybody 
Oregon still has to play Oregon State. And DJ Uyunglele over there in Corvallis, the Beavers are playing great football right now. So that could cancel that out. You look at Washington, who's at number five. Washington still has to play Oregon State. So that could be a loss right there for the Huskies. Then you look at Texas. Yes, Texas beat Alabama, but they still have to play TCU. They still have to play Iowa State, who has been known to trip teams up in the past. And then Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game could still rise up there and get Texas. So I'm of the camp that this could all sort of work itself out. Bama's main responsibility, win out the remainder of your regular season schedule, take on Georgia in the SC championship game, handle business there. I think this will kind of work itself out. Steven, like you said, they'd have to take care of business against a, a solid Georgia football team, back-to-back national champions. When you look at this Alabama football team and where they're at right now, the way they're playing football right now, which is exponentially better than it was at the beginning of the season, how do you see them matching up with the Georgia football team right now? And I, I get that they have to go on the road and take care of business this weekend first to secure that and to lock that in. However, let's just say hypothetically they do that, they secure the West, they go face Georgia and Atlanta for the SEC championship. Do you feel like where they're at right now, they're capable of matching matching up against that Georgia football team? Absolutely, guys. And think about this. Auburn had a shot at Georgia. Auburn had the win there and could not pull it all the way out. So you look at Auburn hang around with Georgia. Missouri hung around with Georgia. Not for some penalties and some bonehead mistakes on Missouri's end, what that game could have really came out to be. So Georgia, for as dominant as they, as they look and as good of a coach as Kirby Smart is, he's been in some close calls. Georgia's been in some close games. So if you look at this right here, Alabama, which is peaking now, are starting to peak now at the right time, getting everything kind of flowing together here. They match up perfectly well with Georgia. You get some mm. pressure there on Carson Beck. Carson Beck isn't the same quarterback. You look at outside of Brock Bowers, Who's the biggest threat offensive that Georgia had? Outside 80, of Brock 84. Bowers. 84. Well, McConkie's good. Lad McConkie is good. So nice. I look at this. I think I think Alabama fits up very well here with Georgia, especially with the close calls that the Bulldogs have had against the Knights of Auburn and Missouri. Yeah, I think uh I think Alabama matches up extremely well, Stephen M with Georgia. They're not really explosive. You know, the teams that give Alabama the most problems what we saw last week, right? LSU, a running quarterback uh, that can beat you with the RPO game. In Tennessee, you know, in Milton. Guys like that, the Johnny Manziel's of the world, other world. Somehow, Nick Saban has not figured out completely how to uh, stop quarterbacks like that. But he did the second half. So, uh, that's what they did at LSU, and they helped by uh, <laughs> Mr. Dallas Turner. Hey, putting the wood. I'm talking about he laid the wood. I just love that hit, man. I'm sorry, people mad with me, like, oh, you preacher, you're a Christian, and you talking about people getting hurt. I said, just for a moment, just two quarters. He'll be back next week. He just went to sleep for a minute. He just went to sleep for a minute. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that like this, guys. Dallas Turner said, look, enough is enough. Let me just end this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, enough is enough to do it on ran for buck sixty. All right. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you gotta say, you know what? Let's put that thing on him and get him on the sidelines. And that's what happened. Stephen M. Smith in his own words, brother, we appreciate you so much. When are you gonna be back out at Alumni Hall or somewhere? I heard you was out live in in the streets. That's what they told me. I, I may be 
mean, we, we, we must be back out there at Alumni Hall soon. Got to work some things out there, but uh, we're looking to be back out there soon. All right, we had to get with you, my brother. I thank you so much, man, and appreciate all the great work you do. And uh, keep it rolling, man. Keep up, you know, give us some uh, more music selections so when you come on next week. My man Noah will have you ready to go, bro. I, I, I'll do that. I appreciate you guys. All right, man. That's Stephen M. Smith in his own words, TD Alabama Magazine. You can find him right there on Twitter. He is the man with the plan. Quick break. When we come back, Nick Saban spoke to the media on yesterday. We'll hear from him. We'll take your phone calls. You want to do that, 205-342-9904. Don't forget, we're sponsored by our good friends. At the Good Feet Store, they get your dog right. That might be the new slang. We'll get your dogs right. Good Feet, holler at me. <laughs> You're going to pay me for this one now. You get your dogs right. One at time, one at a.m. WTBC. Quick time out. We'll come back. Hear from Coach Saban. After the break. Home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Don't miss your... This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Or so. All right, guys. Well, I think the most important thing is um, players are a little better today, a little sluggish yesterday, but uh, responded a lot better today. Um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, tough to play in our league on the road uh you got to be try to be physical be the most physical team which kentucky kind of prides himself in being and you got to have the right mindset and the right you know mental approach to being able to do that in terms of how you practice how you prepare and what you do and your mindset when the game comes because you just can't turn it on and turn it off so um you know i i I think that if you're going to be you just can't say you're going to be the most physical team. You got to be the most physical team when the game comes. You got to have the right mental approach so you're prepared, so you can execute. Be the most disciplined team when the game comes, and uh, that's what we're really focusing on. And I think the players were a lot better today. So um, we're making progress, and we want to continue to try to improve. But this is a challenging game. The way these guys play on offense, defense, they got good players. So it's going to be a test for us. And that was Coach Saban on the upcoming matchup against Kentucky this weekend, talking about how important it is to be physical in these matchups. Kentucky, a team that prides themselves on their physicality. Again, uh, they're led by Ray Davis on offense, their running back, uh, who was second in the SEC with 903 yards, looking for a second back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, uh, rushing campaign with the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, I believe that's what I read. But, yeah, they're going to like to run the ball. They're going to like to be physical, so that's something that you got to prepare for. Luckily, Alabama has done a nice job uh, being physical and stopping the run this season. They're one of the top uh, rushing defense teams in the country, and they've done a really nice job, and it really starts with the guys up front. That was uh, one of the, the areas that I felt that I've seen the most improvement on as the season progressed. Guys like Tim Keenan, Tim Smith, 
Justin and Boyd be those guys on the interior really doing a nice job playing on the other line, line of scrimmage. Uh, you, you just really getting good knockback, playing physical, getting off blocks. And then obviously your two edge guys, Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell doing a nice job securing the edges. Um, obviously getting after the passer on those passing situations, but also doing a nice job playing on the perimeter and, and just securing the edge. So a really nice effort, uh, collectively by the defense. So it's going to be needed this weekend as they take on Kentucky on the road. Uh, probably going to be out without Deontay Lawson. Uh, seems like he hasn't been able to really practice this week. Uh, so probably not going to see him out there. However, you've got Tresman Marshall alongside Jihad Campbell, who both have done a, a really fine job at the linebacker positions uh, this season. So looking forward to seeing those guys out there and taking care of business uh, per usual. But uh, we always like to take it to the people. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure you go check them out for your latest and greatest officially licensed Alabama gear. They've got the hat wall if you like wearing hats like myself. Right now, I've got my Miller's Edge hat on there. Can't find that there. You can find it on our website, themillersedge.com. But for all your Alabama hats, beanies, your, your hoodies, your sweatshirts, your jackets, as the weather is about to shift, get a little bit colder, head on over to Alumni Hall in Midtown Village for, again, your officially licensed Alabama gear, the latest and greatest items. Or you can go to alumnihall.com where the ultimate Crimson Tide fans shop. With that being said, let's head on out to the phone lines. We go. We'll take Lewis. Welcome into the Miller's Edge, Lewis. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, you know, we're all getting fired up about this Kentucky game. This is a big game now. We uh, we got to get it done. And, Christian, I know uh, Bama beat them down good in 2020, but you were already uh, – you had done your thing already. Did you ever play – did your teams ever play against Kentucky? Because I know we don't play them very often. Yeah, I played them, Lewis, in 2016. I actually um, – I, I was uh registered sophomore that year, and I actually – uh, started for Tim Williams that game. Uh, he had gotten in some stuff off the field, but yeah, and I had a sack. In the, <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, oh, come on, man. I had a sack in the first half. Uh, so yeah, I did get to play those guys back in 2016, and I uh, had a sack in the first half. So that was, that was a fun one. But yeah, that was at Brian Denny Stadium. But you're right, we don't play them very often. That's awesome, Christian. I'm gonna hang up, but I wonder if Corey has a has a, uh, a memory of playing against them uh, in his glory days. And I'll tell you what, the Giants need Corey right now. Of course, they can <laughs> But uh, you guys have a great show, and we're going we're gonna to get them Wildcats. So roll tide, and I'm going to hang up with Thanks. All right, Lewis. Thank you, Roll Lewis. tide, my friend. Now, it, it's um, – I never played Kentucky, Lewis. See, South Carolina came into the SEC after I was in the – the league. I think it was 1992, the year after I graduated. They uh, became members of the Southeastern Conference. So I never played Kentucky. Um, I played in the SEC back because we played Georgia every year. That was our big rival, which I went two and one against the Georgia Bulldogs, Christian. Yeah, we didn't lose much to Georgia. Maybe I went three and one. Yeah, we didn't lose to Georgia too much, you know, back in the early 90s. So, but yeah, I don't have a story for, um, uh, the Kentucky guys. But I can tell you this, Bama gonna beat them down. Because I think these guys are building confidence. They are changing some things up, which I think teams haven't seen. Certain things that Tommy Reese is calling right now. They'll try to prepare this week, obviously, because what they put on tape against LSU. But I think they're gonna be wrinkles that come from the, the play calling. And, uh, I think we're gonna see Jalen Miller continue to just evolve and move forward in, in his confidence his swag, 
I love watching the, the, the video as his family. When he got back home, they all were dancing. His dad was dancing in the stands. I love that, man. That's just some good stuff, good vibes there. And I'm looking forward to see what uh, Alabama can get done. 205-342-9904, the number to the program. You, you no, honestly, can I get you to hit that button? I'm getting a little bit of an echo. The you, um, you honestly, I feel like you would be Jalen Milrose's dad in that video. The one dancing and, and, and having the time of your life. Yeah. That, that's, that's got you written all over it. Well, I mean, listen, here's what I did when you was playing. Cause you know me, I do not like sitting in the stands. I sit up there with, uh, numerous times, numerous home games and away games. I sat with the Hurt family, Jalen's father. And it will get so bad. Listen to fans say things about, you know, our kids and things like that. Not so much you, but for him, who his quarterback get all the <laughs> credit yeah. and they get all the blame. So we would like we'd walk up in a little tunnel and kind of walk around and try to kind of isolate ourselves. But man, we'd be, he never had, he never showed any emotion. He really didn't. Like he just turned and looked at me with that uh, stoic look on his face and just, you know, give me a high five when Jalen threw a touchdown or ran. Ran a touchdown. Like me, I'm passionate. I mean, when you get a sack or tackle for law, that's it, dog. That's what what I'm talking about. You know me. I start screaming and spitting everywhere like a Baptist preacher. And uh, people looking at me like, what's who just do crazy? But (laughs) no, I mean, yeah, that would be me. I'd be damned. You're proud of your kids for doing something good, man. Uh, There's no need to hold that back. No need to hold that back. Uh, I think you, uh, you enjoy those moments and, and just the blessings that you have to watch your kid go out and do great things and nothing better than that. So I ain't mad at him. Keep dancing. I pray he can keep dancing all the way to, uh, where's the national championship games in LA this year? Where's it at? Uh, that's a great question. I no, think, you no, know, no, you know, the national he, he's, he's on it right now. Is. He's looking it up right now. I see him actively searching. So seems like I think it's in LA West coast. Uh, uh, Houston is what it seems to say. Oh, is it Houston? That's not right. Houston says college football. Yeah, that's, playoffs, that maybe does. January 8th in Houston. Oh, that's right. Then guess what, Noah? You're going if to be this there, happens, huh? if we speak, oh, definitely. If we speak this into fruition, if I prophesy right now that Alabama will play for a national championship, guess it's in Houston. And guess where Jalen Milrow's from? Houston. So you think about this could be something, man. What a story, right? Jalen Milrow being benched. In this third game of the year, not even playing one down to, against South Florida to come back and lead the Alabama Crimson Tide to a national championship title in Houston, H-Town. You know how live we will be? That would be special. I'll be doing some radio in, in the bars and the streets. I'll be out there with my computer, my microphone. I'm telling you right now, we will be so live, bro. Oh, I'm I, telling you, I'm hoping that. I'm going to speak that. But I'm going to speak that into existence. But, but let me Let's ask speak you this, though. Y'all touch and agree with me on this one. Well, let me ask you this, though. As special as that would be, would you rank that? Oh, man, those birds are, are having <laughs> happening right now. Right. Just a, I got like I got like 18 lizards, too, on my screen porch. It's not, it's not like the bird is in the mic. Man, that's a loud bird. Uh, They're singing to you. Literally. Um, well, let me ask you this, though. How special would you rank it compared to when Jalen Hurts um, the season where he came back, right? So obviously, remember, basically, Tua comes in, relieves him of his duties. We win the national championship. Then the following year, 
he comes in and wins the SEC championship. Would you rank it up there? Would you rank if Jalen Miller were to go home and win a national championship in Houston? Would you rank that above that? Because we always, you know, felt like it was such a storybook ending, right? Just the way everything played out, especially kind of you talk about the injuries that we had in 2017, early on in the year. Everybody had written us off. We lose to Auburn. We sneak into the playoffs. We go to the national championship. Tua comes in, that's second and 26, right? Then the following year, right? Jalen Hurts comes in for injured Tua. I mean, that that honestly was very storybook. Would you rank Jalen Miller going home to Houston and winning the national championship above that? You daggone right. Bruh, <laughs> I mean, all the freaking skepticism and everything that people have said about this young man, that they could never win a national title with him to – Think about the storyline. You, you get a chance to go home in front of your family and friends and high school teachers. And, dude, you know how big that would be? Yes, I would rank that higher, man. And I'm praying that the Alabama can get it done. Listen, they don't take but, what, take three, five wins in a row? Five, five in a row, right? So you got three left. You got the SEC title and a bowl game. So yeah, five or six wins. No, we got this. Yeah, well, six. We got this. Yeah. Alabama Nation, join with your your pastor. I'm your pastor, the pastor of pain, and I'm going to speak this into existence. Jayla Miro will play in Houston for a natty. Come on, join me in that. Be praying for that. God hears our prayer. With two or three gathered together in his name, and I know there's more than two or three of you, it shall be done. Been a great show. Thanks to Stephen M. Smith. Thanks to Noah Behind the Glass. Been playing some banging music. Christian Miller, two-time captain. Christian, take us out. We'll see you tomorrow on Prediction Friday. Take us home, Christian. Appreciate everybody joining us for the Miller's Edge. I want to remind you guys about our good friends over at Buffalo's Cafe. We went to Buffalo's last night for bash night. If you missed out, I'm sorry, man. You definitely missed out. We had some wings. It was all you can eat, all you can eat fries. Man, you can't beat it. $17.99, the best deal in town. All you can eat wings and fries. Tell me where you can find that out. I, I can't name another place other than Buffalo's Cafe right there in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. Again, appreciate everybody joining us right here on the Miller's Edge. We'll see you guys tomorrow right here on Tide 100.9 and 1230 WTBC, the home of Alabama sports. And remember, we are presented by the Good Feet Store, America's art support experts. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Just know it was big business and stay cool with them racks like hit tennis and no money phone account. Go get interest. Uh, you got that back end from the back door. I got off at of 2.5 on the last show. I declined. Change didn't match my ethos. Mm. They know that I'm sick with it. You've been listening to the Miller's Edge. Tackling sports. Day.